Good morning, everyone. Juno Senator Jesse Keel joins us this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, everybody. Well, too bad the weather during the community cleanup couldn't stick around. Did you get to grab some litter? Oh, absolutely. Spent a couple few hours, uh, filled up two big uh, yellow trash bags and a green one full of cans and stuff. So we uh, we did a little good for the hillside I was working on. Very good. We wanted to know your reaction to the leaked document, according to Politico, that a majority of the Supreme Court justices are voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, that's that's tremendously disappointing, um, and I hope that as the justices deliberate, um, they uh, some of them rethink their stances. Um, I, I think that uh, American women have the right to bodily autonomy that is inherent in the in the precepts of our Constitution, um, and I'm I'm really uh, really glad to live in Alaska, where we have a much stronger right to privacy and a much stronger right to bodily autonomy so that the decision about uh, whether or when to become a parent uh, is not government's decision to make for anybody. So um, thank thank heaven and our state's founders for the Alaska Constitution, um, and I sincerely hope that the U.S. Supreme Court thinks better of rolling back uh, now uh, almost 50 years of settled law, uh, it, it would be a, a terrible mistake. So what happens next if it is overturned? Might this leave this up to the states? That, that would be the practical effect, uh, unless the federal government um, uh, steps in with something preemptive, and then I think we'd, we'd have... Uh, uh, litigation about that. I, what I'm very concerned about, um, and, and I read that document, is that it, it is not so much a legal decision as a political decision. It's a, it's a dark day for the uh, U.S. Supreme Court if they do that. Um, and, and in that case, you can expect a political response to, to any federal legislation. So um, it, it becomes, as you say, uh, a state-by-state state decision. Um, and state-by-state uh, uh, state, uh, struggle to make sure that um, women have full, equal rights. Now, at the same time, let's just be clear, we need to do more to make sure that everybody has good education about how to avoid a pregnancy you don't want. We need to make it possible for uh, women in abusive situations or, or dangerous situations to get out safely. Um, we need to make sure that there is access to voluntary birth control for, for women who want it um, so that we have as little need as we can possibly have. Um, but rights are rights, uh, and so that, that's just essential. The government... Um, shouldn't be making uh, shouldn't be making a woman's choice for her about when or whether to become a parent and seeing this had reminded me that last month the house budget had an amendment that passed to stop medicaid from paying abortions might this be a clause to watch do you think now with this development uh, again, the Alaska Constitution um, is is much more protective of individual rights in a much more explicit way than the principles that underlie the U.S. federal Constitution, um, and and so when you read them, 
the Alaska Constitution's provisions. It's it's very clear, um, and and Alaska courts have agreed that uh, it in our state it doesn't particularly matter what the the um, <clears throat> excuse me what the Supreme Court says on Roe v. Wade, um, specific to within Alaska's borders, uh, women's rights are much more clearly defined. Everyone's rights are much more clearly defined under the Constitution, and you, you couldn't take those away from women. And so that includes um, women who are young and women who are poor. Um, and so e- equal protection means that if the state of Alaska pays for childbirth, it must also pay to terminate pregnancies. Um, and, and the courts have said that over and over again. Um, the uh, Alaska attorneys general, Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan, uh, have all said you can't enforce that budget clause um, that forbids Medicaid from from funding uh, the medical services that end a pregnancy, uh, as long as you Medicaid pays for the medical services uh, to deliver. Uh, at the end of a pregnancy. So uh, that issue uh, is not something to be immediately concerned about. Um, but that's that's a, a, a real... Um, it's an issue that I think people are justifiably very, very, very concerned over. So on, so on the budget, what major changes do you think will be made between the House's proposed budget and the Senate's? Well... Um, you know the the Senate's budget, um, I think, is in is in really very good shape um, in most places. Uh, we prefund uh, K twelve education. Um, we have funding uh, to to help expand our our doctor training, um, and and then we also provide some additional uh, services to um, to some of our needy Alaskans, things like. Um, uh, the um, the direct care providers uh, for uh, folks with disabilities um, or for seniors uh, who are in their homes and need help uh, those their rates haven't gone up in years and years and years and so there's some funding to help um, help pay those people a little better uh, our city our state is losing the professionals who take care of people um, to other professions to other places. Um, and we've got to stop that hemorrhaging if we're going to take care of, you know, folks with disabilities who just need a little assistance to live full and productive lives um, and to take proper care of our of our elders. Um, so, uh, you know, we could we could go line by line through the budget. I think there are a lot of uh, really excellent things in there. Certainly, um, we we fund our school debt reimbursement, um, keeping Alaska's promise to municipalities uh, for their share of of. Uh, the school buildings uh, and keeping them in good shape. <clears throat> um, uh, so it's a it's by and large uh, a pretty good budget. The way the Senate Finance Committee has it, uh, just about ready to come to the Senate floor. And we had saw the governor had renewed his call for a thirty seven hundred dollar dividend after the House got a budget bill, and it sounds like it's going well through the Senate. How do you think that proposal will fare? That that remains to be seen. Um, because of the current high oil prices, there is some some cash around, um, and I think there is generally consensus in the Senate to pay uh, a, a PFD on par with the governor's um, uh, original proposal of fifty fifty this year. That that's not a number we can sustain in the long term. 
Um, and we just need to remember that price of oil goes up and it comes back down. Um, so, uh, but I think there, there's a lot of virtue in in providing uh, that that level of PFD this year. Uh, folks are certainly having a tougher time filling their heating oil tanks um, and and their gas tanks. Uh, and other prices are are up, so I, I think there's um, there's pretty good consensus on that. The the additional roughly 1,100 that the governor is asking for is going to be a tougher sell. Um, the the Senate has language in the budget that our surplus after we pay PFD and and what we uh, need to spend to operate the state um, and serve Alaskans goes into savings. Um, let's keep in mind that that. <clears throat> Um, because of the reduced oil prices globally um, for most of the last uh, decade, uh, with the exception basically of, of this year, uh, we have been as a state burning through savings as we've uh, made, frankly, a lot of budget cuts. So we need, when we have a little slug of money come in, we need to replenish those savings somewhat. There are still some significant structural changes we need in the Alaska state budget. Um, and that includes recurring revenues. Uh, but because those bills haven't moved this year, I think we need to, to try and save some of this windfall, um, some of this uh, oil price boom from the war overseas uh, for for the future so that we can continue to serve Alaskans as we make changes gradually. Uh, nobody wants to, to slam on the brakes or, or slam into place massive taxes. Um, if we move gradually and feather in those changes over time, uh, the economy won't suffer. Uh, everyone can adjust. Very good. And what's the status of the capital budget? Well, the capital budget is is in draft form in the Senate Finance Committee. Um, it is uh, a slightly more robust capital budget than we've had in in past years. Uh, that's in part thanks to a lot of federal infrastructure money, uh, but also in part thanks to some of the the funding that we have um, from from this oil windfall. Um, we're not spending it all on projects, but there are a lot of needs that we can meet, um, and and we're in relatively good shape uh, here in Juneau with uh, quite a few projects that are gonna that are gonna do some really good work, um, including starting work on replacing a mainline ferry, um, including <clears throat> excuse me um, some some state infrastructure around here that will help uh, with with economic growth, uh, including the municipal harbor matching grant, which will help the city uh, finish the rebuild of Aurora Harbor. Um, so there's there's a lot of really good investments in there. We'll have more with Senator Keel after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with Juno Senator Jesse Keel. How are you feeling on this ses- session ending on time? Uh, I'm apprehensive. I'm worried. Um, There is still a path for the legislature to finish in 121 days. Um, That path is getting narrow, um, really narrow. 
Uh, it doesn't leave much room for stumbles. Um, and, and if you've followed the legislature for long, you know that there, there tend to be stumbles and missteps near the end as, as folks jockey and try to get their most important legislation or budget items to happen. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about our timing right now. It's, it's still possible. I'm certainly still working toward an on-time adjournment. That's a priority for me. Um, it's, I'm getting worried. How would you gauge the need for a special session? It sounds like a bump might make that happen. Well, uh, there's enough time to get over a bump, but if we uh, if we stumble and fall, there's going to there's precious little time to to pick things up. So, um, you know, as as folks uh, as our discussion and debate uh, near the deadline starts to turn into argument uh, and and sometimes even outright squabbling, fighting. Um, people can crash the truck, so to speak. Um, and so uh, you, you need time to pick things back up uh, and get to adjournment when that happens. It's, it's not outside the realm of possibility, but, but it's going to be a trick. So are there, there are some bills we wanted to check in on with you about, which one of them is Senate Bill 140, making it out of committee recently. That's the bill requiring students to participate in sports according to their biological sex. You were the no, no, that's that's not actually right. It, oh. it, it's it's according to whatever sex is listed on their birth certificate, whether that has anything to do with uh, their chromosomes or how they've developed physically or not. Uh, and the sponsor actually uh, allowed that that was true. The the bill does not have to do with your physical features. Um, doesn't have to do with your actual human biology. It's just whatever is listed on your birth certificate. Well, I stand corrected, but you were the sole vote against. What was your primary concern with the legislation? That bill, um, <clears throat> on, when you first listen to it, it, it sort of sounds nice. Um, but, but when you start to think about it and you start to realize that it's not about um, uh, competition based on, on how a person's body develops, um, then you start to analyze, well, what, how would it actually work? What does it mean under Alaska's uh, Constitution and, and your right to privacy? Um, and, and as we worked on that bill, uh, it is clearly, clearly unconstitutional. Um, and so the, it is really a political issue in search of a problem to solve, right? The, the sponsor told us that she believes there are currently zero transgendered girls competing in athletics at the high school and college level in Alaska today. There's not a crisis here. There's not a fairness problem here. There is a political uh, attempt to make hay. Uh, and at, out of a group who, frankly, um, commit suicide in the highest rates in our nation. Um, and, and I don't think that um, non- solutions to non-problems that violate our Constitution um, and, and make their lives worse uh, is, is really what we want to do. Somebody asked me, well, what would we tell our daughters uh, if we don't pass this? And the answer is, we tell all our children the same things when they compete. We tell them to work as hard as they can, to learn as much as they can, to do their very best. We tell them that we're proud of them. Right? We make sure that, yeah, there is fairness in competition, and there are things that we could pass. There are bills that someone could introduce that actually deal um, with the issues 
that have the potential to pop up someday in the future. But this, this is a cudgel. This bill is a club to beat the neediest people, some of the neediest people, some of the most vulnerable people um, that we have. So it, it certainly sounds nice when you first hear it, but when you start to dig in and when you read what was actually written on the page, um, the, the bill violates the Constitution. Uh, it doesn't solve a non-problem. Uh, and it, it beats up some really vulnerable people. I, I just can't support that. And so the privacy clause was a pretty big concern for you. Well, that's just one. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's among the issues in our Constitution um, that that protect people, right? And it, it even protects children. Uh, and, and so going after these vulnerable children um, is, is not something I'm going to help participate in. What will the Senate do with the bill, do you figure? Can't predict that. Um, we'll, we'll see if it comes to the floor this year, um, in which case we'll have a, a quite, a, quite a day of, of floor discussion and debate. Um, and I expect that would take uh, a very, very great deal of time when we don't have a lot. Um, the, the bill faces pretty certain death in the House, um, where it has no companion measure, um, and, and uh, I have detected relatively little interest. Um, so it's a, it would be an interesting decision um, to spend hours upon hours upon hours of, of Senate floor time uh, in the last days of the second session uh, on something that cannot pass. But, you know, legislators have the right to ask for their bills to be heard, um, and if it comes to that, uh, I, will, I will argue against it on the floor. Um, again, not because uh, anybody has, uh, well, Really, the issue with well, I've, I've explained the issues with the bill. The, the bill is not well written. It doesn't solve a non-problem. On another note, what hopes are you holding that PFOS legislation will pass this session? That hill is getting very steep to climb. Um, we had another conversation with uh, DEC uh, and and with the Department of Law just yesterday uh, on adjustments that might make them a little more comfortable uh, with the bill. Uh, but I continue to work on that bill because Representative Hannon has the companion over in the House, um, and it's poised to move out of the Resources Committee there. Um, I, I think there is a pathway um, to, to help protect Alaskans who have that stuff in their drinking water. Um, there are some very, very uh, loosey standards right now. They don't protect Alaskans' health. Um, and, and I think the legislature can act. It's, it's not a comprehensive uh, mega cleanup bill. It is just a clean drinking water bill. And it phases out any more spraying of these things that are poisonous when you use them as directed. So um, it's, it's a very moderate approach. Uh, it's a very reasonable approach, but it's, it's the legislature taking steps to protect Alaskans' health when, when DEC has refused to. And I understand there's been movement on a recent bill you've sponsored, SB 195. Tell us about that. Sure. That bill is just a little fairness catch-up bill. Um, the the non-union state workers um, haven't had a pay raise uh, to match, uh, or to, I should say to catch up with, uh, state employees who, who are in unions. Um, and, and usually throughout history, um, once... The, the union employees have uh, negotiated contracts, and those go into effect. Uh, governors of all parties, of all stripes, have introduced bills to, to catch up the, the non-union workers and keep their pay roughly in line. Uh, it's been many years since that happened, uh, and so we are past time to catch up. 
Um, if, if Senate Bill 195 passes, uh, those non-union workers would get a 2.5% raise and a 2.5% raise. That would be on par with what union employees got, uh, I believe, in 2015 and 2016. Um, I might be off by a year there, but th- that's how far behind this adjustment is. Um, so it's it's just a fairness catch-up. Of course, uh, it's also important to note that the general government union of state workers have a new contract agreed to that provides additional uh, now pay increases, and I think very fair ones, uh, come this July and then the two years after. Um, and my bill doesn't catch up to that. We are literally just catching up to the previous contract. But as we have such a hard time uh, recruiting and keeping uh, state employees in, in every field, um, we really need to keep our pay at least up with uh, with other folks doing comparable jobs within state government. Um, so it's just a minimal catch-up, uh, and, and I'm optimistic that, that we can get that uh, through the, the various parts of the legislature have put some pay provisions in the budget um, outside of the statutory pay plan. That's a very strange and difficult way to do it. It makes much more sense to pass Senate Bill 195 um, and just fix that that pay schedule uh, and use it. And we had saw in April that the Alaska Reads Act had passed the Senate. What was your take on that bill? Uh, I generally think that that's a that's a good bill. Um, among the most important things it does is it rolls out uh, slower than I'd like, but it rolls out voluntary pre-K all across the state, and it's going to take a while. Um, but that provides a huge boost to kids who uh, today come into kindergarten behind their peers um, and not ready to learn to read. Um, <clears throat> Voluntary, high-quality pre-K programs have all kinds of other benefits for the children who participate in them. Of course, nobody has to, right? If you want to take care of your kids and or do other programs with them, uh, that's what the word voluntary means. Um, but that kind of investment, to have statewide voluntary pre-K, uh, will pay huge, huge benefits in reducing costs to school districts, in reducing costs later on to the criminal justice system and all of us. Um, so uh, that's a huge, huge piece of the Alaska Reads Act. The other part is some additional very targeted resources on that K-3 through um, learning to read track. Um, our school districts work very hard at that. They always have. And where districts are not having success, this bill would put some additional expertise, put some additional resources into that because it is so very important. You know, the the old saying is uh, up until third grade, you learn to read, and after third grade, you, you read to learn. Um, so, so having uh, more kids really ready uh, and really reading uh, by the end of third grade will be tremendously valuable. A lot of work has been done on that bill to make sure that local school districts and local school boards can do that in culturally appropriate ways, right? So it doesn't have to be English only if you're in the UPIT school district out west um, and you're going to have a different kind of curriculum in the Heidelberg City School District um, than you are in the Kashanamute School District um, up in up in uh, Athabascan country, right? Um, and and Juno's going to make different choices again, and the bill preserves that local control so that the curriculum can be tailored to the place, to the culture, to the languages 
Um, and, and we can do the most effective things to teach our kids. That, that's why you have local control, so that the curriculum can be tailored so it is as effective as possible for the kids in the place, uh, in the culture, with the community that they have. So um, the, that bill uh, is, I think, uh, much needed, um, and, and I hope that the House passes it. Well, Senator, is there anything you'd like to add? Boy, thanks, Kevin, for the opportunity to, to talk with you this morning, and thanks, everybody, for, for listening. It's, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to, to get to talk about what we're doing here in the Capitol for all Alaskans. And thank you for keeping us appraised and joining us today. And that's the program. We'll be speaking with the Juno Economic Development Council on our next program ahead of the Maritime Festival this weekend, so be sure to tune in. For now, thanks so for tuning in this May 3rd. Join us next time on Action Line for the latest from Alaska's newsmakers.